If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. It is a football Friday here on Bird 365. Oh, you're Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McMullen, here with a hang, here to hang with you for the next two hours. Football Friday, kickoffs, no, we got nothing. Jay Mac, we're, we're less than three weeks away from the start of the NFL year, which is fun. And there's a bunch of things I want to bring up around that. And we are certainly less than a week before the combine gets underway in Indianapolis. And there was some wrangling and setting of the rules for the combine, but they will get it underway next week. This is a tricky time for the NFL offseason. You and I have both agreed on on previous shows that the NFL has done a nice job. They haven't always had it this way. You and I have been covering this long enough to remember when it wasn't uh, the setup that it is right now. They built themselves a very good yearly calendar whereby there's something to talk about in the NFL, basically 365, uh, whether it's reshaping of coaching staffs and the combine and the free agency and the draft and do offseason workouts. They've done a pretty nice job of being able to shut this, uh, keep this thing rolling throughout the year. But this week that we're in right now and leading up to the start of the combine, is probably one of the slower ones of the entire year, maybe only topped by the week to two weeks, depending on how you're going to set up your schedule between the end of your OTA, your last uh, off-season training activity leading into camp. So I'd say out of 52 weeks, we got about two full, two full slow weeks for the entire season. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me what the slowest week is, I think that's after what was the mandatory minicamp, you know, pre-pandemic days. And the Eagles, remember, didn't even have one of those. Uh, That was a big off-season storyline last year. Nick Sirianni coming in and working with the players and trying to get them in for some OTAs. And one of the things they came up with was, um, let's just scrap the, 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 the mandatory mini camp and where everyone's got to show up or they're fined. And, you know, some thought he b- bought some goodwill by doing that with the veteran players and, uh, probably did because it's not real meaningful for them. It's probably, you know, very meaningful for younger players, but sort of a give and take. Uh, so, I think to me, the biggest lull certainly is that it, between the end of mini camp to start a training camp. But this time of year, it might look, this is like the duck on top of the water. It might look very serene on the top, but behind, underneath um, underneath the water, the guys are, are working furiously to figure out what you're going to do, number one, with your guys in free agency. Now, Again, the Eagles are kind of ahead of the game uh, because it, it, it's kind of funny how, you know, the franchise tag opened up, the the window where you can franchise people opened up earlier this week. Nobody does it till the very end, so you're not going to see it for a while. But, um, you know, you see all these, these articles, Jody, around that says, 
well, the Eagles don't have anybody worthy of, of, of the trash feeling. You already locked up those players. Right. So that's that was a smart decision, a uh, smart way to go. It's been the way the Eagles have done business for many, many years, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, i.e. Carson Wentz. We'll talk about that later in the second hour. But um, – there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes and you're already starting to see players re-signing around the league from other teams. Uh, You know, not big names, but Buffalo's gave a big deal to their best special teams player. Um, And you'll see more of that kind of trickle in uh, as we get closer towards March 16th. So it might be, it might be, it might be serene on top of the water, but teams are working pretty hard behind underneath my lotto was a guy I was going to go to if you were making the point about they don't have a franchise tag worthy player. Oh, Jordan, my lotto would have been if they yeah. hadn't been able to get the deal done. So you are absolutely right about that. Uh, and the other thing that seems to be breaking news and not major breaking news, but just something that's on a transactional wire on a day in, day in, day out basis these past uh, week to 10 days is coaching hires. Now, we know when you have as many head coaching changes as the NFL had this year more than either you or I thought uh, when the season ended, uh, a couple extra jobs came open. And when that happens, you know that there's uh, massive coaching changes. Guys are plucked from teams. Guy leaves a team and is going to take some of the guys on the staff with him, which means the old team's got to replace him. The Rams, God bless them, won the Super Bowl, but they've had to turn over half of their coaching staff because a whole bunch of them went out the door. And that's what happens when you win. You do lose guys, and you have to then uh, find replacements for them. The Philadelphia Eagles have made no changes to their coaching staff. You and I talk about this a lot on the show, that continuity is more good than bad. Some people always want change. Oh, not good enough. Not good. We got to do better. We got to change. Got to fire. Blah, blah, blah. But continuity is something that's very good. Look at what New England has done. And I know they haven't won it in a couple of years. Yeah, that Brady guy kind of took off and that hurt them. But um, they haven't won anything. So uh, they've come back down to the pack. But they have been a model of consistency. And Belichick is the lead guy. And he's done a real nice job of plugging in guys when coaches on his staff have left to get chances to get head coaching positions. Uh, consistency is usually the optimum, the premium, the thing that you want. The Eagles had complete consistency to their coaching staff here from year to year. And they had a real nice year. And both you and I have sat here and sung the praises of uh, their first year head coach, Nick Sirianni, who seemed to do a real good job. Some people don't like his defensive coordinator. You and I like him a little bit better than uh, a lot of Eagle Nation. But they had a good year, and I thought they did a nice job coaching them up. The greatest coaching staff of all time? I'm not going there. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Did this coaching staff not need any tweaking during this offseason, Johnny Mac? Yeah, I, I'm surprised for, for two reasons. Only because there's always tweaking, it seems. So you've been, even with the, now you mentioned the best steps, and that would be, and I, I would say perceived best staffs because obviously the perception is go get Sean McVay's guys and coming off a Super Bowl, that only increased. And you've seen, you know, Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips, and there's a couple other guys that have already left. Uh, O'Connell for a head coaching job. Phillips for as his offensive coordinator. Um, 
so there's that part of it, and then there's the part of it that you know guys are getting promotions around the league and the NFL. Um, loosened up their rules uh, to help with the Rooney rule and help with minority hiring. So in the past, and I always use John Filippo as the the best example locally uh, because the New York Jets, your team wanted to hire him as the offensive coordinator, but he was under contract to the Eagles and the Eagles were able to block him uh, because that was considered a lateral move um, at the time. Uh, quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator. Now you can't block anybody from taking those offensive defensive coordinator jobs. And it's become this type of thing where we, and you saw there were a couple guys, uh, Kevin Petulo uh, got some interest uh, from Chicago, but they honed in on, I think it was Luke Getze and then Green Bay. Uh, no, Green Bay, actually. Uh, either way, Green, Green Bay. Uh, interviewed Brian Johnson uh, for their offensive coordinator job. But you knew they were going to kind of stay in-house, I think, uh, uh, for their perception, you know, because they got to massage Aaron Rodgers. You know, they got they got a whole nine yards they got to deal with. Um, so that was pretty much unlikely. And then you start to say to yourself, well, can guys get better jobs elsewhere? Can they get that sort of assistant head coaching job? Can they get the the, the bump from that uh, perspective? And, you know, I don't know. Nobody knows because it's much more clandestine uh, coaching hires and coaching moves than player moves, so to speak. So. Um, if you look at, uh, uh, say, someone like Brian Johnson, maybe he's just happy. Maybe he's happy with Nick Sirianni, and they gave him a chance and said, well, if I can't get an offensive coordinator job, I'm just going to stay here. Certainly, I know Kevin Petulo. I mean, that's in his camp. Those two are best friends, Nick Sirianni right. and Kevin Petulo. So there's a lot of personal relationship. There's a lot of politics. But that's the first reason. The second reason probably getting too long-winded but i'm trying to talk over my dog who's barking my wife's not home but um it it, jeffrey laurie i mean jeffrey laurie has certainly during the doug peterson era has scapegoated assistant coaches i mean when when things haven't worked out to where he thinks they should work out he has said essentially not decreed it but essentially has said you got to blame somebody he didn't do that this year. Now, why didn't he do that? Maybe because he's the one who called it a transition uh, year. Uh, and maybe the the perceived overachieving nature of this team didn't have him looking for that scapegoat. Um, but yeah, it's a surprise to get the, uh, all the way back to the original premise. It's a surprise there's no movement. Agreed. And you went and answered what I thought was going to be my follow-up question about what happened to Jeff Lurie, the the judge and jury of all assistant coaches over the last couple of years here. Kind of tells you something that he was much more judgmental of Doug Peterson's staff than he was of Nick Sirianni's staff. I actually think it tells you more about what the owner thought about the former head coach, the Super Bowl winning head coach than anything else. Uh, But uh, put Jeff Lurie aside He did what he did, or should I say he didn't do what he usually does uh, this year, so be it. I'd rather ask you about Sirianni because you made a great point here on the show many a time. 
about Howie Roseman and the job he does as the general manager of the Eagles. Everyone thinks it's all about who'd he take in the first round of the draft? How'd that do? And that's what we judge Howie Roseman on. That's it. He, he's got a unbelievably large encompassing job, but it all comes down to how'd your first round draft pick do, Howie? If it's great, all right, you're good. If it stinks, get him out. Fire his ass. Which is ridiculous. But uh, I will say the same thing about the head coach of a football team. There's a lot of responsibilities attached to it. Maybe not as many as a general manager, but a lot of responsibilities. And one of those for me is judging his staff. And I know a lot of guys don't like to do it. They'd prefer not to do it. They'd like to stick to the X's and O's and not have to worry about it and the motivating of the players. But part of your job is to evaluate your staff. And I know they gave him more leeway to bring in guys that he had previous relationships with, work with, coach with, knew from around the league. He had certainly more say in the putting together of this past year's staff than Doug Peterson ever had in any of his years here in Philadelphia. You mean every single one of their coaches did an A job, A minus at the very least, that they didn't feel the need to upgrade in any of the positions? There was no one else out there that they could have uh, picked off someone's staff. You just mentioned on how uh, the rules have changed. You used to be able to block teams. If you give someone a promotion, there's nothing to do. There was no guy on any other staff out there that Nick Sirianni said, hey, I had a tough time matching up against him. Uh, If we could give him this position over the one that he's got now, that would be an improvement for us. He scored an A across the board on all of his coaches. You have well, you know, it, way, it, it is interesting because that is, you know, common sense would tell you what you're saying is true. I mean, you can't have the best position coach at, uh, at every position. And, you know, because of the nomadic nature, I like to say, of that profession, there's always going to be guys available. I just saw uh, Greg Minuski got hired this morning. You know, that's a former defensive coordinator who was coaching in Kentucky at the college level. Um, and I, I'd forgotten he was out of the league. I mean, uh, th- there's a, a good inside linebackers coach uh, back in the league. Um, so there's always guys. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, one of the big criticisms from the Eagles – uh, front office, and obviously I'm talking about Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie Roseman, largely, uh, of Doug Peterson, was his loyalty to the staff. Um, all coaches are loyal to their staff for the most part. I mean, you work with these guys every day for extraordinary long hours, uh, and especially when you talk about Nick with his, uh, especially his offensive brain trust he's really really close to all those guys um you know brian johnson would be the one guy who sort of was an outsider from the group that they had to go out and hire um but he's really really close to all his 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 uh you know people he game plans with uh to be to be blunt and obviously worked with uh jonathan gannon uh for uh, a pretty significant period in Indianapolis. So there was a relationship there. Although I don't think people realize Jonathan Gannon um, was going to be the defensive coordinator here. If Josh McDaniels was the head coach as well. In fact, he's closer to Josh McDaniels than he was to Nick Sirianni, but 
they had already decided they were going to hire him. Um, so you have, you have the loyalty aspect that they once blamed, you know, Doug, Doug's too loyal. And then the evaluation thing, um, where they also claimed that Doug didn't evaluate his assistants proper or, or, you know, the term I was, I heard used bandied about a number of times is he hasn't coached up his assistants. You have to coach up your assistants as, and I see your, my eyes are rolling too, if they could, Joe. Um, because I, you know, me, I, that whole narrative surrounding Doug Peterson is just dumb. And this is proof that it's dumb because you got a guy who's come in and by the way, Nick's done a great job. Nick's a great guy. I like Nick. I get along personally with Nick. It's hard not to, um, but he does the same things and he does the same things because everybody does the same things. You hire people you're close to, uh, you're loyal to them because you're close to them. Um, and then other people make that decision and really to be honest, Jody, because either way, whether it's somebody plucking and I use the Rams as the example with LaFleur and, um, um, uh, Zach Taylor and, and Brandon Staley and now Kevin O'Connell, whether it's other teams making the decision to pluck guys or the owner or the GM saying, you got to get rid of this particular guy. In the case here, the best example would probably be Mike Rowe and Carson Walsh, who, you know, the owner said, all right, we got to blame somebody. Let's blame these guys. <laughs> and 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 nothing against uh, Jeffrey Lurie, because I'll say it about myself as well. I can't tell you if Carson Walsh, I know fans think they know. They don't know. I don't know if Carson Walsh is a, a, a good position coach or not. I know his, his receivers underachieved. But, you know, that's been that way for a long time in Philadelphia. You know, I'm I, Greg Lewis got vilified. Um, and then he goes on to win a Super Bowl as a receivers coach for Andy Reid. You know, I mean, it, it, it's it's basically other people making the decision. But here's the thing that just jumps out at me. You, you gave some great background information and a way to look at it. I'm going to take the 3,000 foot look. The Eagles were nine and eight last year. They they added talent to a four eleven and one team. We expected improvement. Maybe they got a little bit more improvement. Both you and I had them at eight wins. They won nine, so slightly better than you and I thought. Is that good enough that you don't need any any changes to your staff? Really, were they that impressive a team this year? I don't think so. And built into that is, as you kind of pointed out. There were a couple of guys that were given interviews that were talked about, that rumors were out there about Gannon getting a head coaching job. I didn't really think he was ever going to get it. And to expect him to get it would have been an upset with the fact that he's a one-year D.C. and he's already going to jump into a head coaching spot. Didn't think so. So, yeah, it was good for him that he got an interview out of it. But was there really a chance he was leaving? I don't think so. Kevin Petulo and Johnson, the guys. That's it. Three of the guys on the staff were in rumors, may have had interviews or conversations, none of which moved, I think that tells you something too, that this was a good staff this year. Not a great staff, not an oh-my-God staff, and not a staff that would make zero changes during the offseason. So, I'm sorry, that bothers me a little bit. All right, uh, often talking about coaching staffs, we'll get our first guest's take on this and a bunch of other topics that we'll bring to the table with him. It is a Friday. 
So we need game day Kratz, Ed Kratz from SportsIllustrated.com, John's partner on the SI Football Maven uh, website. Eddie Kratz joins us next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. on a football Friday here on Birds 365. Thanks for streaming on in while you're at it. Like, join, subscribe to us here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Please help us with our algorithm. Uh, Our next guest will do just that, too, because the amount of insight that he brings has to run the algorithm up, does it not, Johnny? When Ed Kratz joins us, don't you think our algorithm gets better? Uh, Yeah, it spikes. It spikes to unprecedented levels. That's the great Ed Kratz, as I like to call him. Good to see you, Ed. Hey guys, I'm not sure what an algorithm is, but uh, you know, I think my Nobody doctor might have given me medicine for it some time ago. I don't it's know. It's the all-encompassing term for our analytics, which I also don't understand what analytics and sports are. So it's the all-encompassing term of analytics. We got to get our analytics up, Ed. <laughs> All right, right. And I didn't. I didn't think I was going to be answering this question, asking this question today. What color blue is that? 
It's popping. <laughs> I'm gonna go if royal you're looking blue. Good there. Is that like Dydra blue or I'm Mets go royal blue? blue. Is, uh, am I right? Uh, that's my guess. Royal blue. Uh, you know, I'm not. I don't know. Maybe it's a, a deep azure. I think oh, as well. Wow. You know, uh, you know I, I, like I, I I wouldn't have known. See. McMullen goes Royal, you go Azure. I'm trying to tie it to a team. If it's not tied to a team color, I got no damn idea what color. It's got to be a Dodger blue or a Ram blue or somebody else's blue. It can't just be a, a real Well, that's color what it, it's the Kansas City Azures. That's what it is. Kansas City <laughs> Azures. No, it's Royals. Come on. Let's, yeah. uh, we're going to stipulate to royal blue at least i am what do i care what anybody else thinks it looks good on you Ed. i'm yeah. just i'm just saying oh, thanks thank you that's yeah, just something i threw on here yeah i was immediately thinking of my crayola crayon pack from years ago there you that's go what, that's you where go. you get the colors yeah. what was in the, yeah. the box of 64 which yes. blue was that in 64 azure yeah there you go all right so you're going that's impressive coming up with that poll by the way ed i would have went burnt sienna but uh, that's the only one i could think of that's not going to work with a blue shirt uh with my crayon box but uh speaking of crayon boxes uh, let's do that segue uh the eagles have a big crayon box when it comes to the first round of this draft uh they got the big 64 pack with three first-round picks, you don't often have that. So I'll start there because you and I did our first Eagles-only mock drafts at SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Now, you went three defenders. Now, now understand, let me just stipulate that I think we both think Howie's going to maneuver. I'm, I'm not necessarily – there's going to be three picks and certainly not at number 15, 16, 19, but we haven't even hit the combine yet. So we're just looking at talent. If they're forced to take three picks, you really think they're disciplined enough and Jeffrey Lurie would, would allow them to not look at, Hey, you got to get one offensive player. We got an offensive head coach. That's what modern football is about. You really think they'd be disciplined enough to take three defenders? Uh, no, but you know that's why I'm <laughs> that, that's why I'm doing these mock drafts though because uh, you know it makes for good uh, you know good speculation. But boy, if they did, that would just be completely completely yeah. surprising. But you know you could turn that around and say, do you see them taking a wide receiver in the first round three straight years? And again, yeah. I, my answer would be no to that. Uh, I yeah. just I just don't see them going in that direction. I. I think they're going to load up at that spot in free agency. I think they're going to try to get, obviously, at least one, uh, maybe two receivers in free agency. And I just don't see them taking one in the first round. So where else are you going to go except defense? You could go offensive line with, you know, some of the names that have been out there, the Kenyon Green from Texas A&M or the Zion Jackson of Boston College. Um but, you know, they have to look at this defense and say, man, we, we got to get Gannon some help here because my – I think our contention all year has been is it's not just Gannon that kind of struggled, uh, you know, putting together a scheme and combating these uh, Super Bowl-type quarterbacks that they played all year long. It, it, a lot of it was personnel. And, man, I, I really think they do need to go with all three picks on defense in the first round. I, I'm not sure they think that, but – Man, there are some good defensive players in this draft. And if you come away with an edge, a corner, a safety, or a linebacker in that mix, I mean, that to me is a home run because there are good players that I don't think you could miss on 
uh, on defense with those picks. Let me frame it this way. If uh, all three of us are right, that there's a better chance Eagles are going to make two first-round picks than three, that Howie will probably maneuver, trade down, trade out, go to next year, that they'll end up taking two of the three picks, not all three. If they only have, and it sounds funny to say it, only two picks because you're only supposed to have one. But if they only have two picks and they go one defense, one offense, you don't think that opens them up for criticism with how badly their defense needs upgrading? If you've only got two, if you choose to drop out and put one forward to next year to give you flexibility next year or give you two multiple second-round picks compared to a late first-round pick, if they don't use both of them on defense, I think Howie Roseman is going to get crushed by Eagle Nation. Agree or d- disagree? Listen, uh, you know, this town does love defense, but I think there's an evolution with offense. I mean, people love this sexy pick of a, of a wide receiver, a guy like a Jamison, Win- uh, Jamison Williams at Alabama. And, man, what a, what a great receiver he looks like on tape and watching him play for Alabama. He's got height. He's got speed. He also has a torn ACL that you don't know how that would impact any of those uh, skill sets. But uh, I think this town likes the sexy pick of a receiver, of a quarterback, of a running back, someone that handles the football. Remember who's making the pick. That's how he flip a coin if he's going to get it right at best at wide receiver Roseman. In general speaking, I think you're right. But it's how he's going to be making the pick. So how much is Eagle Nation going to trust how he'd think about the receiver in the first round? Well, you said it yourself, his track record is not very good. In, in fact, who, who, what receiver have they drafted? I mean, Nelson Aguilar had a good 2017, but, you know, he was picked 20th or 21st in the draft. Not not good enough. You need to have more than just one good year. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, his track record of picking receiver is not good. And that's why I think they have to go free agent, the free agent route, bring in proven guys. They did it in 17. They brought in Jeffrey. They brought in Torrey Smith. Uh, and, and that was putting weapons around Carson Wentz. And now how he said the same thing is we want to put weapons around Jalen hurts. And I think that's how they're going to do it. Free agency. And I just don't think they're going to take a receiver. I mean, Matt Millen took three receivers in the first round for what, three straight years back in the early O's with the lions. None of them worked out. I mean, Megatron was one of them. I mean, great, yeah, great. He worked pick, out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He worked. They got one, right. Yeah. Uh, but you just can't keep spinning your wheels like you're in the mud or something, you know, you just can't do that in the NFL. Well, the Eagles already did it. They finally got it right. I think we all agree they got it right with Devontae Smith last year. So they at least got one. But yeah. then you don't think about the domino effect of, well, if J.J. Ortega-Whiteside uh, turns into a, a player, you don't necessarily need Jalen Rager. If Jalen Rager turns into a player, you certainly don't need Devontae Smith because you have two receivers, Jalen Rager and J.J., and, you know, then you could start talking about Micah Parsons or, or, or Justin Fields or somebody else in last year's draft. So there's always a domino effect to these picks and whether they're hits or misses. But the Eagles finally got one receiver. The problem is you need more in the modern NFL. So they got to go find him somewhere. And I'm with you, Ed. They got to go to free agency and get a proven commodity because they have not proven and I put Devontae Smith off to the side because he was very refined when he got here as a route runner. He stepped into Eagles camp, and he was already their best route runner. So I give Nick Saban and the people down there the credit 
Pittsburgh developing Devontae Smith more than the Eagles, harsh may that might be harsh or not. I agree from that perspective. Now, here's where I want to turn the page. You mentioned Jalen Hurts. You mentioned getting weapons around Jalen Hurts. We always talk about the quarterback. Started to bring this up this week because people are very cognizant, it seems, that, well, if you go get Russell Wilson, if you go get Deshaun Watson, you got to pay them 30 plus million dollars. Um, and that's going to be an issue. Well, guess what? You only got one more year of Jalen Hurts. And if Jalen Hurts performs at the level he did this year, which was good, I think better than most of us thought, guess what? He's going to command $30 million. So does that make that decision? It's not only about 2022. Does that make that decision tougher that his contract extension, think about Jordan Mailata, Josh Sweat, Dallas got it. They got drafted in 2018. They got the extensions last year. Jalen Hurts is 2020. You got one more year. Then the extension's up. Then you got to make your decision. Are you going to pay him or are you not going to pay him? My point is that's short-term thinking. So, there's a sense of urgency with those three first-round picks. Do we start talking about the Kenny Pickett's of the world? Because you have the luxury of that third-round pick. If you want to be cost-effective, you only got one more year to be cost-effective with Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Listen, I I wrote a, I did write about that possibility um, of taking a quarterback with one of those picks in the first round. Everybody – you know, thinks they'll trade it away or they'll bring in Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Listen, let's forget about Wilson and Watson. Neither of those guys want to play in Philadelphia. I mean, well, that, that, they both have no issue. trade clauses, <laughs> and yet people still bring up that they're going to come play in Philadelphia. I just I just don't see that at all. Um, and I think the next best route to take, if you're not going to go get a veteran or a veteran doesn't want to come here, is to find one in the draft. And I, I really think that there is a possibility – even though they need help on defense, that they could take a quarterback in the first round. Again, depending on their evaluations, these quarterbacks aren't supposed to be any good. But listen, the defensive line position wasn't supposed to be good in last year's draft, and they found Milton Williams. They found Teron Jackson. I mean, they did a good job finding them. Now, Teron Jackson, I don't know what his ceiling is, but Milton Williams certainly looks like a player uh, as, as a foundation piece going forward. So if you do your evaluations correctly and – you know, I'm sure Kenny Pickett will probably go off the board. It's so hard to predict where these quarterbacks are going to go. I've seen top 10 to Carolina. You know, Washington needs a quarterback. But, you know, hey, if, if uh, you know, one of these guys is sitting there that they like, a Malik Willis or, a uh, you know, whoever the other, Matt Corral, who I like, if they're there at 19, I mean, the Eagles could grab him. They could also, and I, my favorite quarterback in this draft is Sam Howe out of North Carolina. I know, you know, Jody shaking his head. Not a fan. You know, suddenly my blue looks, you know, like some kind Carolina of Carolina blue. I, I, I swapped that out, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, he had to me. He had a, just a bad. He didn't have. I the think he had a was... crappy system, Sam Howe. So it, that's why it's tough to evaluate players. I think he, he was in a bad offense in North Carolina that didn't take advantage of his skill set. So 
How do you evaluate a kid like that if he's in well, a bad offense? He he and he lost a lot of pieces, right? He lost his receivers, he lost his running backs, he lost some linemen. I mean, it, it, the continuity yeah. that he had his first couple it's years a lot was, of good. was gone. And think about that backfield. They're all in the NFL now, right? Yeah. North Carolina backfield. Here, here's your Sam Howell comp. Sam Howell equals Bobby Hoying. That when Bobby Hoying had all tough. those pieces that's around tough. him in Ohio State, oh, this kid's got a chance to be fun. And then he had the game against Boomer Esiason here in Philadelphia. They were ready to erect the statue to him. He outgunned Boomer Esiason at the bed. People were ready to make yeah. him the Eagle quarterback for the next decade. No, there was a reason why Bobby Hoy was good at Ohio State. Everything around him. It was a reason why Sam Howell was very good as a sophomore at North Carolina. The guys around him. When you separate those guys from the quarterback, you see the quarterback isn't that good. Stay away from Sam Howell. Don't go there, Ed. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to look bad. You're going to have to to burn that blue shirt, buddy. Sam Howell's (laughs) not a player. Yeah, I'm not ready to, you know, give up on Sam Howell, obviously. And I'm not ready to take that time machine back to the Bobby Huying days. But uh, that's a tough comp, Jody. That's harsh. Yeah, that is. But listen, spot on is what it is. Well, how about maybe Desmond Ritter? I mean, listen, my contention is if the Eagles might want a quarterback, maybe you, you trade back into the second round. And, and you know, there's yeah. the Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks are sitting there at 39 and 41 overall. They don't have first round picks. So, you know, would you maybe trade 19 to move back to 39 or 41? Uh, and, and then maybe I don't know what it would cost. Maybe you get a first round pick for that next year. I don't I don't know what the trade value is or the point system, whatever they use to uh, you know evaluate these trade points. But uh, you know you could trade back with Chicago or Seattle, let them come up, and then you're sitting there with two second round picks. Maybe Desmond Ritter's there. Maybe Sam Howe or uh, or uh, some other quarterback is sitting there that they can get with that 39th or 41st pick, and then you come back and you you have the 51st pick, but. Um, you know, they could make a move like that. They could trade back uh, into the second round and, and maybe gamble that a quarterback you like will still be there. But they're going to take a quarterback in this draft. To me, there's, there's no question about it. And I think that it's a, there's a good chance that it could happen on day two. I yeah. had, uh, let me ask you about a specific position because we're jumping around and talking first yeah. round, second round, offense, defense. Let me get uh, narrow focus and ask about a specific position. Easy first question, yes or no answer. Do the Eagles need to upgrade at linebacker? Yes. Do you think they'll do so with their biggest move, meaning either a pretty well-paid free agent and or relatively high, which has got to be first three rounds. They've got three first rounds, so either first, second, or third round draft pick. If they're going to dedicate one of those two things to upgrade that position, which one is more likely? Getting a a pretty competent, above average, uh, maybe above what you usually pay for a starting linebacker via free agent, or they'll use one of their uh, first, second, or third round picks on linebacker. Which one's I'm, more likely? I'm going uh, with, I'm not sure what's out there in free agency. I know Justin Houston's out there, an older guy that, you know, uh, could provide some help uh, on the edge. I think he's technically an outside linebacker, kind of like the Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, type, but I would go draft in that scenario, Jody. I I think they really need to draft one. And listen, Howie's a smart guy, right? His staff's smart. You would hope that they would look at what Dallas did with Micah Parsons drafting him and the impact he made on that defense in this league, defensive player of the year, 
And they would say, you know what, we, we need a guy like that. Then when you throw in the fact that, hey, Jonathan Gannon likes to play with competent linebackers, linebackers that can make plays. If anything, that's where you need your playmaker is in the middle level of that defense. And if the Eagles learned anything, they saw what Parsons did. I think they have to go draft a linebacker who can make an impact. And whether that's the first round, maybe they change philosophies. I remember going to the combine two years ago, last time they had it. And we talked to Howie about the linebacker position specifically. And he admitted that that's not a position where they invest a lot of resources. Okay. Now maybe they've come around on that thinking because of the way the league is now, because of what Dallas has shown with Micah Parsons. If you can find a linebacker like that, I would love Devin Lloyd uh, from Utah at that linebacker spot, but you're going to have to do it in the first round to get him. And are they ready to invest that kind of resource in a linebacker? I would hope that they've seen where the league is going, what Gannon needs, what Dallas did with Parsons. <laughs> we got to get somebody like that. And the only way we're going to get somebody like that is if we spend a draft pick on them. And I think that's the way they're going to go. I mean, there's still going to be good linebackers in the second round. Should they go that way? That Muma kid from Wyoming is, is a good linebacker. There's a, a kid from Georgia, Walker, that's pretty good. I'm not sure he'll be there. I know Daniel Jeremiah has him ranked in his top 50 prospects. Uh, I can't remember his name, but I think his last name is Walker. I mean, he's a guy that could be there in the second round. I think that if they don't go linebacker first round, they're going to go linebacker second. I just don't see the type of free agent that's out there that can come in and make the kind of impact that you might be able to potentially get in the draft. All right. Well, let's let's flesh that out. So let's talk linebackers. And I want to get both your your thoughts on this because he's an interesting player to me, but I'll get to that. So we talk about free agency. Well, Devondre Campbell, Green Bay had a good year, but hasn't had a great career. The two Denver linebackers, Alec, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell are free agents. They're pretty good players. Anthony Barr's a free agent. He and Jonathan Gannon have a history. Those are probably your best free agent linebackers. You mentioned some of the draft linebackers, Ed. What the hell's wrong with T.J. Edwards besides his pedigree? Well, I mean, that guy was phenomenal last yeah, year. But, but, you know, you want a linebacker, in my opinion, that can cover running backs, can cover t- – the tight ends killed this defense last year. You know, they gave up 11, 12 touchdowns to tight ends. They gave up over 1,000 yards receiving to tight ends combined. I mean – T.J. Edwards, yeah, good player. I like T.J. Edwards. I like him as a player, as a person. He's a good dude. But you you got to find somebody that can cover the tight end. I know it's tough to do. But if you, Leighton Vander Esch is a free agent as well. I don't know if Leighton Vander Esch, other than if you, if you change, if you put the first round tag on T.J. Edwards, my, my issue is, look, if we can get Micah Parsons, if anybody can get Micah Parsons, get Micah Parsons. But if you start chasing and thinking people are going to be Micah Parsons, you're going to be massively, massively disappointed. My my thought process is people don't acknowledge what T.J. Edwards has become because of that pedigree, because he's undrafted. He's always going to be undrafted. He's undrafted. Leighton and Van Der Esch, perfect example, he's a first-round pick. I think T.J. Edwards was a better player than Leighton Vander Esch last season. Am I crazy? No, I, I agree with you. I thought Edwards had a great year. You'll remember, John, 
two weeks before the Eagles actually extended and got him signed for this year, I said, you know how he likes to buy the guys in when he thinks it's uh, team friendly and make a little bit of a speculation as to whether they're going to be good. I'd, I'd extend TJ. Boom. Two weeks later, he extended Edwards. So, you know, I'm a fan. I do like Levandre Campbell, though, of Green Bay. And I know he was a fourth-round pick. Again, not a great pedigree. I jumped around to a couple teams drafted by the Falcons. He was a damn good player for that Packer team. He that was won good the most last games year, in the regular yeah. season this year. Sometimes guys hit a stride. He, I think he's going to play at 29 next year, um, depending on, on the price tag. And I know you, you try and stay away from this, but it's a fact of life. It's a fact of fielding a roster in the National Football League. Price tag is important. Yeah, if I could get him, I'd, I'd stick him in the middle and I'd put Edwards outside. And I think I'd upgrade my uh, linebacker unit just by doing something like that. You know, listen, that's all well and good. But how many times are the Eagles going to keep doing this linebacker dance in free agency? They just can't get that right either. I mean, you yeah, know, they brought in these one-year stopgap players that frankly haven't worked out. Eric Wilson's they- a free agent. <laughs> that's what i'm talking about i mean these are Corey nelson's of the world i mean lj fort they never gave a chance to he went to baltimore he did well but listen these one-year stop gaps and enough is enough already give me a pedigree linebacker early in the draft okay he might yeah, not be they, you know hey you you already stated it there's two there's uh lloyd and there's nicobe dean that's right. it there's two pedigree playmaking to make the point John just said. Yeah, can Get I one. sign up for the next Micah Parsons? Yes, we all want to do that, but we don't know who it is. If you're going to take okay. a shot, you want a good percentage in it, and that you got to take one of those two guys at the Absolutely. top. Other Absolutely. than that, you're you're poking and hoping in the second, third, fourth round, you got just as good a chance of landing a player by signing another one-year veteran guy. Well, Michael Kendricks was a second-round pick. Jordan Hicks was a third-round pick. They got it right those years when they draft. Now, Davion Taylor, who knows what Davion Taylor Yeah, they got, still got Davion, it, if he can ever stay on the field. He can't stay on the field. He's just not dependable enough. And the same thing with Jack Driscoll, another guy that we count on on the interior line that maybe do some things for the Eagles. Can't count on him either. He can't stay healthy. Go out and get a pedigree. Stop this linebacker dance already in free agency. Go get a pedigree linebacker. Okay, maybe he's not Micah Parsons, but he's better than anything you have. And you got to go identify him and draft him. Let's stop with this this one-year stopgap stuff. It worked with Nigel Bradham back in 2016 when they signed him. But it hasn't worked since. It's been six years. Come on, get me a linebacker that can play. I hear you. But we, we need to take in the, the um, uh, mood of Jerry Robinson. I mean, Jerry's going to be really disappointed if they take <laughs> a linebacker in the first round. So we have to take Jerry into account, too. But... I, I think I, in the year that Dick Vermeule goes into the Hall of Fame yeah. in August, the last coach to take a linebacker in the first round back yeah. in 1980. How appropriate would it be in the same year that Dick Vermeule goes into the Hall of Fame in August that the Eagles draft a linebacker? And by the way, Jerry Robinson was a really good player. Yeah, he uh, was. Pro Bowl player. Yeah. Uh, I think he was all pro one season. Uh, you would think they said, and it, that's a different generation of football, obviously, where linebackers were much more important. But let's shift to that coaching staff, because Jody and I were discussing before you came on, Ed, we're pretty much done with the 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 coaching hiring season. You see a couple assistants trickling in still as 
teams populate their staffs. No movement whatsoever for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think, number one, that's a good thing. Yeah. Number two, you're a little bit surprised that they didn't even make a tweak at, you know, certain positions. We just talked about wide receiver, you know, how they – you know, they change wide receiver coaches more than they change socks because they never get it right. Are you surprised at all, especially coming off the Doug Peterson era where they scapegoated somebody basically every year? Looks like this entire staff is going to be back. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't think you really needed to scapegoat anybody this year. This team overachieved, made the playoffs, won more games than it lost. Nobody expected that. So who, who are you going to scapegoat? I, I'm a little surprised, though, that maybe Aaron Moorhead's back. I know that, you know, when Nick Sirianni came in, there was – I think Aaron Moorhead thought he was gone. Um, I think he even mentioned that to Jalen Rager, that, you know, he won't be back. And then next thing you know, he is back. So I thought maybe they might try to – find a different receivers coach, but listen, in the scheme of things, I think they like what, you know, Aaron Moorhead did. Uh, Nick Sirianni talked about Moorhead quite a bit this year about how he likes the job that he's doing. You know, Jamal Singleton is the running backs coach, the running backs, they led the league in rushing, right? You know, that's partly on the offensive line, partly with the running backs too. He'd helped develop some of those runners um, and help them have good seasons. So I, I don't know where you'd turn Denard Wilson. I thought that a good job with the DBs, um, you know, the defensive line, maybe you could say, okay, let's find somebody different than Tracy Rocker. We only had 29 sacks. But again, I think that a lot of that is personnel. You lose Brandon Graham, you're breaking in, you know, a rookie in Teron Jackson. Josh Sweat had a career season in terms of sacks. So I just think that, you know, it's steady as she goes and there's nobody to really scapegoat because of the success of the season. So why not bring back the same guys? Why not bring back continuity in year two? Uh, with Nick Sirianni, you're right. I think it's a good thing, and uh, we'll see how, you know, if they can take another step this year. If not, then I think we'll see some movement on the staff. But right now it's a good thing. I don't think you needed to make any moves that really, are, you know, are going to shake the earth um, too greatly. So stay the course. Why not? Yeah, I, I would say tinkering was necessary, not moves that would shake the earth, and they haven't even tinkered. I, what, would you, uh, what would you have done? Well, I'm just curious. What, 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 yeah, what? Aaron Moorhead. Uh, you guys yeah. just brought it up. The, the wide receivers. Let me put it this way. Despite the fact that we can all agree that the Eagles overachieved this year, which they did. I think all three of us had them at eight wins. They won nine. They made the playoffs. So you got to go thumbs up on an overachievement. What, what group of players, what position did the Eagles greatly overachieve at? Other than offensive line, and yeah, we all know Stoutland's a stud uh, and is a key piece of the Eagles. Cornerbacks overachieve? Would you say that? I would. Uh, Avante had a career year. Uh, And part of that was him just getting to play where he should have been playing. I thought Steve Nelson, veteran guy, but I thought he was better than people expected. Darius had a uh, Pro Bowl year. Uh, I thought the corners were pretty good. Now, they had 57 young corners, uh, and I, you know, I don't know if they're developing kept, or not. Adding them in, adding them in. Yeah. Did we see anything out of any of them? Well, no, mm-hmm. but you didn't need to, in all fairness, because those guys stayed healthy, and that that's you know part of being lucky because your three corners stayed healthy for pretty much the entire mm-hmm. season. Darius had a couple of concussion 
issues, but didn't even miss a game, I don't think. Did he yet? I don't no. think. Maybe, you know, they sat him for obviously week 18, but yeah. Um, and he didn't finish a couple games, but yeah, he because he, every yeah. week, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, when guys are healthy, you're not taking those three off the field, so I it doesn't necessarily mean that those guys weren't developing behind the scenes. I will say I wasn't an overly impressed with Zach McPherson when he was forced in in those short stints, but it's tough to play for Darius Slay. I think overall the corners, I, Maddox was great. I thought Maddox was great this year, and that's a big feather in Denard Wilson's cap. Yeah, and listen, as far as McPherson goes, a fourth-round pick, I mean, it takes guys a while at that position to kind of, unless you're a top-ten guy like a Sertan or a J.C. Horn who – Got hurt early, so we really don't know about him. But Sertan had a great year. Um, but, you know, these cornerbacks, they take time to develop. Even Trayvon Diggs, his first year wasn't, you know, certainly wasn't what it was in year two. So, you know, you have to cut a little slack, I think, at that position. It's one of the toughest positions to play, I think, in the NFL is that, that on-the-island cornerback spot. So, um, but, Jody, make a good point. Like, I, you know, where did they overachieve? What position overachieved? And, yeah, maybe cornerback a little, maybe maybe tight end. You know, you know what Dallas Goddard was, but he kind of reached what, you know, he's reaching that point where we thought he could get. Uh, but Jack Stoll came in as an undrafted guy and provided them some, you know, some good minutes. And, uh, you know, Tyree Jackson, again, another guy that is having a hard time staying healthy, but, you know, he would have worked his way into that. So it, it's hard to identify one position group and say, yeah, that, that group overachieved. Maybe the running back with, you know, Boston Scott and Jordan Howard, but we kind of knew what those guys were. Um, so, yeah, one position group to say, yeah, they overachieved is tough to do. But as a team, they overachieved. They did. And a lot of it was tied to the offensive line, which is stout. Yes. All right. Um, want to ask you a very specific player, Ed, and how he would fit here. Uh, prior to the hiring of the staff, basically, and not knowing uh, what Jonathan Gannon was going to be all about. A guy I lobbied for returning to Philadelphia was Hassan Reddick. And he mm -hmm. signed with the Cardinals, had a pretty damn good year. He's a stat getter. John, he actually gets home. Not pressures, not hits. He actually gets sacks, which you know I love. But his game is very he's a little undersized as a defensive lineman uh, in a 3-4. Uh, surely he's playing outside linebacker. Mm -hmm. But in a 4-3, he's a little undersized. Would Jonathan Gannon be able to get out of Hassan Reddick what it's going to cost to sign him on the free agent market this year? Uh, yeah, I think he would, sure. I mean, but you're right. He's going to cost a lot. And as great as it would be to have Hassan Reddick come back home, so to speak, to Philadelphia where he played his college ball at Temple, uh, it's going to cost a lot of money. But, boy, I'd love to see him in Jonathan Gannon's defense. You know, you could move him all around, but um, that to me would be a great free agent signing. But I just think that they can find answers elsewhere for cheaper at different positions uh, and address that pass rushing need in the draft. Um, but Hassan Reddick, I think, in Gannon's defense would be would be really good. He could be a double sack or double digit sack guy. I think. Um, yeah, I, I would love to have him. With the money that the Eagles, what, $21.5 million under the salary cap, I'm not sure how many big splurges you have in you, and that would be a big splurge, and that might eat up a lot uh, of what you have to spend in the salary cap. So uh, they, they could load up and get him. I, I don't 
I don't really see that, but uh, certainly can't be discounted. I would love to see him in this defense. <laughs> All right, last one from me, Ed. And uh, before I get to it, I want to encourage everybody to uh, follow Ed on Twitter at Kratz E, K-R-A-C-Z-E, uh, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles or EagleMaven.com, the easier way to get there. So I'm going to give you this question. We'll go back to the draft. Daniel Jeremiah, by the way, conference call today. Uh, we'll both be on that. So it, it's getting deep into draft season. I, we started this. I think we all agree the Eagles have three first-round picks. They're not going to take three first-round picks. So I'm going to give it to you this way. If you're trading up, say, 15 and 19 to go up and get one player, Who's the one player you, you'd go hmm. up and get? And you're probably talking about where 15, 19 probably gets you up to 9, 10 at best, hmm. maybe 8 if you throw something else in there. Is there one player you think Howie Roseman would say, I'm going to go up and get this guy? Huh. Well, I, listen, if Kyle Hamilton's sitting there at eight, ah, that's, I love Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton, but I'm not sure how he would do that for a safety. I mean, again, we're talking about getting playmakers for this defense and Kyle Hamilton would certainly fit that bill. Um, so that would be the guy I would go up for who would Howie go up for. I mean, it would have to be an edge rusher. I think that they think is better than someone they can get at 15 um, or maybe they'll just love Jermaine Johnson so much that they don't think he'll be there at 15 and we got to go get him at eight because we just love Jermaine Johnson. Um, but there's such a plethora of D uh, edge rushers in this draft, you know, uh, that are going to be first round picks that I'm not sure they would do that. Um, that that's a good question. Um, it would have to be a defensive playmaker in my opinion. And I'm not sure who kind of fits that bill. Um, other than maybe Hamilton or an edge rusher, like if Kayvon Thibodeau is falling from Oregon or or uh, Aiden Hutchinson is falling, but I don't see those guys dropping out of the top five or six. Uh, but, yeah, I would go get Hamilton if he's still there. I don't think they would do it for a quarterback. I don't think they would go up and get Kenny Pickett. But, you know, there is that picture of Howie Roseman with his binoculars at a pit game this year, <laughs> tearing down Pickett. So maybe they love him and they say, we're going to go ahead of Washington and we're going to grab him so we don't have to play him twice a year in the NFC East. Eddie K., we appreciate the Carolina Blue, even though you might have to burn it if you're going to continue to back Sam Howell. He's got <laughs> bust, bust written all over him, Ed. Just remember you heard it here first. Always <laughs> a pleasure when you come on. We'll get you back up again next week. Thanks, Ed. Have a good weekend. Thanks, fellas. You too. Thanks, Ed. Ed Kratz from Sports Illustrated here with us on Birds. 365. I right, come back. I got a couple more things I'm going to run by John Eagles related. And then about 20 minutes from now, uh, we're going to do a little bit of an out at down spot. Uh, John and I agreed yesterday, you know, we really haven't got anybody on from Indianapolis to talk about Carson Wentz. I exchanged texts with a couple of guys yesterday, none of which who could come on the show. John ended up getting Mike uh, Chappelle, the uh, chapel dad, to join us, um, who has uh, been the Hall of Fame voter in Indianapolis for years. The couple of guys I exchanged texts with to a man said, he's a goner. Not maybe, not they're leaning this way. Oh, he's done. The question is no longer if. Uh, and not not that will it happen, but how it's going to happen. 
So we'll talk about that with Mike Chappell, uh, who's going to hop aboard about 20 minutes from now on Carson Wentz. But a couple more Eagle things I want to ferret out with John McMullen next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at the Ocean AC. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Right. Texas is 
time. I had to go freshen up my coffee. Yeah, turn the stupid coffee machine off so I had to use the microwave to get some hot heated coffee for the second hour. <clears throat> Sorry, a Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald hanging out with you. Uh, as I mentioned, Mike Chappell going to join us. Talk some Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. Yeah, he's pretty much a done deal. Uh, uh, that uh, does bode well for Howie Roseman. Now, let me make that into a question. Carson Wentz forced his way out of Philadelphia. There's no question about that. He he made it an untenable situation here, even after he was replaced and Doug Peterson got fired. He still wanted no part of being here. So they, they certainly were pushed to trade Carson Wentz. But if you take that out of the equation, which isn't really fair or true, but if you take it out of the equation, for them to be able to get a first-round pick and a third-round pick for a guy who a year later can't be kept by his future team when he's playing for actually less money because the Eagles gave him all that bonus money ahead of time so the Colts were paying him less because they didn't have to pay any of that signing bonus uh, spread out over years over the course of the contract money. That's a pretty damn good deal for Howie Roseman. Didn't it turn out to be, J-Mac? Yeah, it, it, it is. And, you know, there's two sides of that coin. And the Howie Roseman haters will eventually, you know, uh, will quickly bring up. Well, he created that problem to begin with uh, by, you know, sort of uh, derailing the relationship with Carson Wentz with, by drafting Jalen Hurts and all that stuff. But, you know, the reason I give how he credit is one for what you mentioned it's tremendous return for a player that has uh completely imploded um and two look if everybody had the key to to understanding people's uh personalities and mental health and whatever you want to call it praise it uh it this would all be easy it's not easy and you know, Jalen Hurts is, is 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 the exact opposite type of kid from a personality standpoint in that the Eagles are very, very comfortable understanding that they can do whatever the hell they want as far as it comes to trying to uh, recruit a, a Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, whomever might become available. Um, and if it doesn't work, they are now very comfortable understanding that's not really going to affect Jalen Hurts. Um, opposite with Carson Wentz. I mean, forget about something that high profile. The Eagles signed Carson Wentz to this massive extension, which was the largest contract in franchise history. And then they said to themselves, well, we're paying you so much stinking money. We need a backup quarterback because you never finish season. So let's draft a kid in the second round. And that's all Jalen Hurts was supposed to be, a backup right. quarterback, a cost-effective backup quarterback. And he lost his, you know what, his stinking mind over it. Um, so you never know how people are going to handle certain situations. Um, ultimately, though, we talk about, and I'll bring the Jordan Mylotta extension, the Dallas Goddard extension, the Josh Sweat extension. They all look like really, really smart decisions right now. That's what the Eagles do. And when you get evaluations correct, it looks really, really good. If they got the evaluation on Carson Wentz correct when they signed that extension, that extension would look really, really good right now. So, you know, everything's always in the NFL about evaluating a player. Sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. 
what I will say about Carson Wentz, look, there's one Lombardi trophy in this franchise's lobby, in this franchise's history. You got to go back to 1960 uh, for the, uh, you know, the last NFL championship before the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, it was worth it to draft Carson Wentz. I mean, he he got him there. He didn't win it because he got hurt, but he was a big part of getting him there. So I, I think people, as time goes on, will start to realize that more and say, eh, the shelf life was short, but it worked for that short shelf life. Right. I'll, I'll disagree with you there. I think the further they get away from the Super Bowl, the fact that Carson won as many games as he did leading up to it will be more forgotten than it is now. That well, be- I should say, uh, how's this? I should phrase it as it shouldn't be forgotten. Maybe right. you're right. Maybe oh, that, 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 those are two different things, yeah. John. Uh, yeah. Won't be forgotten and shouldn't be forgotten are two very different things. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think he'll actually get less credit as time goes on. I, you and I see it differently. He should get uh, even more credit than he's gotten to this point. But I think it's only going to get worse with time, not better with time. Um, uh, another question on a quarterback here in Philadelphia. I've seen a couple different media outlets. Uh, and I understand for guys like that, hey, shoot, we have to do it on a day-in-day-out basis. We have to come up with topics and things to talk about for two hours every day here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. But some from time to time, I just, really? Is, is that worthy? Would we talk about that? Well, then it becomes a topic in my mind because somebody else decided it was a topic. Should the Eagles trade Gardner Minshew? I've seen at least two outlets over the last week to 10 days uh, run down possibilities of Gardner Minshew and who he'd be a fit with and what the Eagles could get with him. Why would they trade Gardner Minshew? Put your general manager hat on here. Make yourself Howie Roseman, John McMullen. You've got Gardner Minshew. you got a year to go on a rookie deal. It's less than a million dollars. He's your backup. He went in and played one game last year when Jalen Hurts got beat. He moved the ball effectively against a very bad Jet defense. And let me acknowledge that it's a very bad Jet defense. I know. So only the Jets all week. I watch it all the the time. Um, But he did the job. His job was if you got to go in and play, go in and play well. And he yeah. did. He played well enough against a bad defense. Why would you trade him? It makes no sense to me. The only way it makes any sense is if they go get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, or Deshaun Watson, and part of the package isn't Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts is going to reclaim his uh, purpose for being drafted, being a backup quarterback, then, yeah, you got no use for Gardner Minshew. But without trading for a different starter other than Jalen Hurts, what what is the line of logic or reasoning behind trading Gardner Minshew when you have a piece that fits very well in the role that he's playing? Backup quarterback in the NFL is a role, and Gardner Minshew played it real well last year. Why would yeah. you subtract that? They wouldn't. Uh, only if you're bringing in another quarterback. That's the only way you would do it. You know, we bring up those uh, NFL com. Uh, NFL.com uh, quarterback rankings because I, I thought they were pretty good. Uh, that's why I bring it, I've been bringing it up so much. And Jalen Hurts was 17. I think Gardner was 37. So basically, 
There's 32 starting quarterbacks, top five backup. That's what I think he is. He's a top five backup in this league. Um, I think they nailed it. That's why I bring it up. That's what you want. However, <clears throat> if the Eagles bring in enough, and by the way, we, we talked a little bit about the draft quarterbacks, and it doesn't even have to be first round. If they have their eyes on a Desmond Ritter or a Carson Strong or, or Matt Corral falls, somebody falls into the second round, and they go that route, then it changes things. But that's a little bit down the line. Do you, re- do you think it really changes things? I, yeah, I, I, because then you're going, you know, as I said, you're trying to get two darts at the dartboard. You're trying to get a guy with a higher ceiling. And we've talked about the salary cap and I'll bring it up again. You got one more year of this cost effective nonsense. That's it. And if Jalen hurts plays like he did this year, then you're really in a conundrum because then you've got to make a decision is 17th best in the league, is Pro Bowl alternate, is the numbers that Jalen Hurts put up, is that worth $30 million a year? Because that's what he's going to get paid. And that's where it comes into me that it's a bigger theory. It's a bigger evaluation than people think. The Kenny Pickett's of the world, the Malik Willis's, um, even throwing Sam Howell, guy we mentioned. We got to talk about Sam Howell because that's an interesting player yeah, from my perspective. But no, because I, I'm part in your camp, Jody, and I'm part in Ed's camp because I really think if I just look at the film, I'm in your camp, and I really think that was a terrible offense for him. And I've heard from NFL scouts that he's got a lot of talent. So, you know, maybe there's a higher ceiling there, but a bigger, uh, a lower floor as well. Uh, depending on where he lands and what kind of coaching he gets. The Eagles consider themselves, obviously, a quarterback factory. Uh, <laughs> whether that's correct or not is, is to John, be debatable. let me hop in here. You said it wouldn't change if they – it would change if they took a quarterback either second round. You weren't talking about a first-round guy, right? You were talking second or third round, just another quarterback added to uh, be part yeah, of another the- another quarterback with a significant upside that they right think. either second or third round you're talking yeah. about right well more second than third second, all right second round then if you want to get specific about it do you mean that mean to say that they would that would force them to trade guard no, i wouldn't you? force them no he's very cost effective nothing would force them but i think then at that point well, the, no i think there is something that would force them if they get russell wilson if they get uh, Aaron Rodgers, if they get uh, Deshaun Watson and they're not trading Jalen Hurts, well, I think you're forced to trade Gardner Minshew. There's no reason. Well, uh, money wise, uh, you're not because of his contract is so cost effective. Now, he's going to be tremendously unhappy. But, you know, he came in here. He's as not happy. Third... He's the backup. If he's the third string, you bet your ass he's going to be unhappy. Well, yeah, but remember, he came here as the third string. He was the third string. Joe Flacco was still here. I mean, they did it once. It's I'm I'm saying from a from a from a money standpoint, they don't. They, he could be the fourth string quarterback. It doesn't matter. Just from a pure money standpoint, they don't have to move him. They don't have to do anything. My my only point is, if you have somebody that you value and have that guy with a ceiling, and you want to develop you probably want to get something back for a guy who has value. And and that's how the Eagles would look at it and try to spin them off. Now, the problem is 
it's much more difficult to trade players after the draft than before the draft. I mean, leverage, as I call it, leverage season is right now until the draft night. You know, that's when you have the most leverage to trade players. So you can't just sit there and say, well, if we get Desmond Ritter uh, in the second round, you know, you can make calls and you can see hey, where are people, do they need a backup quarterback? Do they need a good backup quarterback? You can probably get something done, but you've lost leverage and uh, where you would be leading up to the draft uh, from that standpoint. And by the way, there's so many quarterbacks in the hopper. If they all are available, and obviously they're not all going to be available, but even as you start to get down to the the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world and the, and the Derek Carrs and the Kirk Cousins and all those sort of second-tier options, you know, things have to shake out with them before you get down to the Gardner Minshew. And then if somebody's uh, desperate enough, maybe they'd give you something, you know, third-round pick, fourth-round pick. A third-round pick I'd do in a heartbeat. But, again, the Eagles don't have to trade Gardner Minshew. They're certainly not going to trade Gardner Minshew if he's going to be their backup quarterback. So there's no need to to trade Gardner Minshew. Right. And uh, to answer your question about, oh, you want to do it before the draft, Gardner Minshew was traded last year after the draft. No, you can trade him. It's just you don't have as much leverage as after the draft. You can trade a bunch of guys right, but right up you, to the trade deadline. If you, you can try and do it in conjunction with the draft on a draft day trade, which is kind of best of both worlds, but that's sometimes difficult to pull off because you're doing a lot of things on draft day. If you trade him before the draft because you think you're going to get – you're going to draft your next Jalen Hurts, your above-average backup uh, minimal price – quarterback oh and then the guy gets picked off right before you're going to take him so you got a secondary guy you're going to take him the next round oh and he gets picked off right before you get that's it that's a risky game to play and if i were howie roseman i would not play it yeah and i don't think he will that's not how how he uh, does business so it would most likely be a decision after the draft and at that point you say okay well let's get something back for the asset and who knows there, there might be you know the reason why I call it leverage season before the draft is because then you can get all teams sort of in the mix where after the draft, it might be more of, okay, one team didn't get this and maybe it helps you even more, but you don't have that group of teams sort of bidding for a player. Up next, we'll talk about a quarterback who may be traded or not. Could he actually be cut? We'll uh, get an Indianapolis point of view for Mike Chappell. He's been covering the Colts for years out in Indy. How bad have things gotten in Indianapolis with Carson Wentz? Mike Chappell joins Birds 365 next. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. 
What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jordan McDonald here. We on Birds 365. We had a third face to the mix. He's a very familiar face in Indianapolis. Been covering the Colts since they got there. And he does it these days for Fox 59 in Indy. Mike Chappell joins us here on Birds 365. How's the offseason treating you, Mike? <laughs> so far, it's not been much of an offseason. And it probably will pick up in the next few weeks. Yeah, March 18th, Mike. Uh, I, I think that is the day uh, where... Carson Wentz has that roster bonus due. So is is that the the thought in Indianapolis that the Colts want to get something done uh, before the second day of the new league year, or is it? Uh, do you think it's going to drag on a little bit longer than that? No, it won't drag on longer than that because of the finances. Uh, the tr- the trigger date is, is March sixteenth. Really, that's the start of the new league year. Let's say that that we hit DEFCON one, and they just cut him. Well, they they can't because everything accelerates, and they haven't got the cap space to assume the guaranteed portion of the contract. So they they have to wait to do something March sixteenth. It's got to be done before the third league or the the third day of the new league year because of those bonuses. So we're sort of in a holding pattern. It, it's it's awkward because. You're looking at if if you just drop somebody from Mars who had casual interest or, or knowledge of the NFL, you'd say this quarterback had a pretty good season: twenty-seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, a ninety-four rating. Certainly not what it was last year in Philly or two years ago in Philly. 
but it just didn't work. And it's, there's always a chance there's a change of mind inside the building, but everything I've heard and, and been able to reaffirm they're moving on after one year of Carson Wentz. Mike, you did a nice job of laying it out there, but I need you to expand. You say it just didn't work, which I know. Well, John and I might agree with you on that, but we need more details. Why didn't it work? Because you're right. The stats look okay on paper, but you're a guy who watched every snap that Carson Wentz took this year. And yes, the Eagles are very thankful he took that many snaps because it means they got a first-round draft pick out <laughs> of it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate that. Why didn't it work? There's, I think there's a lot of a, a lot of things, and most will never come out probably. There was a lack of leadership. There was. Uh, and on the field – there just were too many instances where a play needed to be made and it wasn't, it wasn't all Carson Wentz. The last two games, he was awful. This team was awful. It just was. This defense blew a lot of leads, uh, but it comes down to the quarterback and, and he just didn't make the plays. It, 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 one of the quotes that Chris Ballard gave us at the end of the season was make the layups. You know, it's, it's great to make the throw he did at Arizona uh, back of the end zone, or, or uh, he had a couple of great throws against Tampa Bay, but make the plays when it's third and seven, keep the, the ball, you know, keep the chains moving. And he just didn't do it. And internally there, there was a decision. There has been a decision, I believe, to move on. And I don't know that we'll ever get all the reasons. I, I just don't think the team, a team normally airs its, its laundry like that. Which which leaves the speculation, which sometimes is counterproductive because it leaves the, leads to speculation and the old unnamed sources. But I, I just believe that starting with high management, which is the owner, they've decided to not compound what was ended up being one mistake, which was the trade. You know, it, it was made, and a lot of us endorsed it because it gave them a chance to to get stability at quarterback but it didn't work out. And instead of trying to roll it back and say, well, you know, maybe if we have a full off season, if we have a training camp, if he doesn't have ankle surgery and if there's not COVID, then it'll get better. And they're just not willing to take that risk. Well, you mentioned Jim Irsay a little bit there, Mike, and he, he was at least certainly intimated uh, about some of the leadership uh issues that at least he perceived and one of them is and i don't want to get in a political discussion but was uh the vaccine and the fact that carson was was not vaccinated there were a number of quarterbacks aaron Rodgers, kirk cousins in minnesota lamar jackson but carson was in that group and then you start to debate from a football perspective well this guy's supposed to be the leader of the team that's the leadership aspect uh that we're talking about how much did his uh, unwillingness to go in that direction, how much do you think that affected uh, Ursay's thinking? Fair question, and, and we don't know. Some, it, it has to some, because we go back to, uh, I think it was in training camp or pre-training camp or maybe even off-season where Jim Ursay made it very clear uh, where he came down on the side of vaccinations that he urged, and he, both, you know, he and, Chris uh, Ballard and Frank Reich, they, they, they urged 
their players as much as they could. I mean, this is something that with the union, you can't mandate, you know, Mm. you can't mandate vaccination, but the fact remains a lot of their leaders in in, in higher profile players were not vaccinated. You know, the the Quentin Nelson's in on down Eric Fisher, Darius Leonard. Uh, So I think, I think that that really irritated the owner, uh, and, and, and so that was another brick on the pile with Carson Wentz, I believe. And then it, it, you were just rolling the dice as the season went on. Yeah. And it didn't bit him in the rear end at the end of the season. Remember, he tested positive. What was it, prior to the Raider game? or? Yeah, uh, and he didn't practice that week, right? Right, so, but, yeah. but the only reason he played yeah. was because they had that uh, revised uh, quarantine. So I changed and, the rules and, and, in midstream. Right, yeah. And, I, and I'm convinced that, and the team really hasn't addressed it, and teams won't address it. But they had a, a lot of major players come down with 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 the, the with COVID at the end of the season, missed time, and the team was just flat, worn down, whatever term you want to use. And I'm just not convinced that 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 wasn't a factor. That all these guys are going to get the same time, and and then it takes you a little bit of time to get back. So. I don't want to give these guys an out because they had a 98% chance of making the playoffs. 98%. Yeah. Two weeks to go. So, but I, I think that that's a fair question. And I, I believe that did have some, some influence in Ursay's angst with his quarterback. Mike, I'm going to follow up with an Ursay question and including the whole vaccination thing into it. And that's on Carson Wentz. The organization made the decision to trade for Carson Wentz. Give up a conditional two, which became a one and a three, and turn the team over to him and got the 98% chance to make the playoffs for two weeks ago, and it didn't happen. So the results are in. Who's getting more blame in the eye of the ownership? The general manager who pulled the deal, uh, trigger on the deal, or the coach who you would think should know him quite well since he came from Philadelphia and worked with him. If it is now considered a failure, which if you're guaranteeing he's done one way or the other, it is. Who's going to take more blame for it in the owner's eyes? Well, that's, a, that's another good question. Uh, I, I suppose that if you're saying, you know, you're portioning out blame, I, I, I would assume Frank Wright, because he he is the one that that endorsed it. And again, and he endorsed Philip Rivers the year before and, and, and was right. In this case, it it hasn't worked out. It didn't work out. So if you're saying, you know, who, who's more to blame? Because I do believe that Frank Reich did not have to sell Ballard or Ursay on Philip Rivers very hard. I think there was a there was a consensus that you know, yeah, this will work. It's short term, but it'll work. I think with this one, the owner was was hesitant. And maybe Chris Ballard was a little. I don't know. Again, I don't think we'll ever get the full story on that. But I, I do think there was more lobbying that had to be done, and that's where you trust. That's where you trust your head coach slash former long term or long time quarterback that he's making the right decision. So, you know, they're in it together, primarily Ballard and Reich. But but I, I do think Frank had a heavier hand in this. And, you know, if we're, if we're going to give him credit for, for making Jacoby Brissetta a viable quarterback and, and Phillip Rivers a, a, a playoff quarterback, then, then he has to take a portion of the blame for this not working. 
Yeah, I would, that was where I was going to go next, too, as well, Mike, was Frank. And I have tremendous respect for Frank Reich. And I, I know he was well-respected, certainly, and is well-respected in Indianapolis. But we know this this industry and how quickly things change. And uh, you mentioned Frank was obviously at the forefront of lobbying for Carson. It hasn't worked out. Um does that start the clock on Frank Reich? Everybody's got a shelf life in this league. If the Colts underachieve next year, are we talking about Frank Reich on the hot seat? Does this change uh, how he's thought of in that organization in that city? Well, you, you will have to wonder what, what the patient level of the owner is. And not just Frank, but Chris Ballard as well. I, mean, yeah. I, I don't say they're tied at the hip, but they, they were both giving extensions last training camp through, I think, 2026. And and so they that's why I said they're really going down a, a complicated road to where you're going to reload probably. One thing, I didn't guarantee they're going to make the move, but <laughs> if I were betting my next three mortgages, I would say that's what they're going to do. But, but I, I do think it's complicated because now you're going to reload probably. This will be Frank's fifth, I think it is, or yeah, fifth straight year with the, with the starting quarterback, different starting quarterback. Yeah. So that's just no way to grow a, to grow a team or an offense. And so you're bringing, going to bring in a new guy and the options aren't very pleasant at all. I mean, the, they pale in comparison to what Carson Wentz offered last year. So, so now you're going to go into this with, with your coach and your GM reloading with at, at best, at best, a lateral move at quarterback and an owner who saw this team melt down the last two weeks of the season. W will it be playoffs or bust next year? I don't, I don't think so, but boy, they've got to show some, they've got to show some direction, I guess, or, or, or some semblance of, yeah, we know where we're going. We know what we're doing at the most important position. And as we sit here right now, I don't know what that direction is. I, they have to have some idea what they're doing. They're not sitting there and then come March 16th, they, 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 they release him and now say, well, boy, now we got we got to hold a quarterback. You don't do it that way. But with this quarterback landscape, the draft, free agency, you know, I see people on, on Twitter with, with, with cult connections, fan connections, I mean, and they say, you know, if we if we can get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, that's just, <laughs> it's just not realistic. But yeah. because, oh, by the way, you've got you've got their their first round draft pick, and you know th that that's what normally fuels trades are are draft picks. Players can work, you know, Quentin Nelson. Okay, take Quentin Nelson. But team teams want draft picks. They want those high draft picks. So it's just really an awkward dynamic to where they're going to move forward probably with a with a, a new quarterback and there's going to be anticipation from the owner to get this thing fixed and that's a hard way to get things fixed when you don't really have that quarterback in place mike uh something we had to deal with the last couple of years here in philadelphia with carson wentz and it was all about perception we don't know that it's the case but we're pretty sure about our perception one of carson's issues and problems was he was always looking over his shoulder at first, it was Nick Foles, steps in, wins the Super Bowl. Guys in the locker room seemed to like him better than Carson Wentz, and we believe that got Carson off the rails. Nick Foles gets moved. He gets free agents. All right, that, no, no more Foles problem. 
So they draft Jalen Hurts in the second round. And that seems to bother Carson Wentz immeasurably just as a backup. Was there anything like that in Indianapolis this year? There was nobody to look over your shoulder too. Yeah. Sam Ellinger was the backup and, and they weren't going to play him barring injury. So no, I, I, I understand all of And I heard all those dynamics in, in, in Philly, but that wasn't the case here. There, there was, he was the guy. I mean, he, yeah. he, he was, they, they carted him out there in week two or week three at, at Tennessee after he had sprained his ankles and he couldn't move. It made zero sense fr- from a football standpoint to play, but he was the best option when he couldn't move. So no, th- 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 there wasn't any boy, uh, another bad game and he's out. So in, by all accounts, again, not being in the locker room and only getting players in, in the media room, it, you really don't get a feel on how they, they gravitate towards a player. But when, when players talked about him, it was glowingly and, and you know, it's, it's that's not that's not a great way to judge anything because you're not getting any depth into it. But there was really never any uh, hints or whispers of boy, this guy it, it, he's not connecting in the locker room. So I understand that in Philly, but that that wasn't the case here because there, there was no threat to take his position. Mike, I want to shift gears with you because you had some time with Nick Sirianni and Kevin Petullo and Jonathan Gannon pre-pandemic so you got to know those guys a little bit did you did you get a thought of of those guys and 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 said they had a bright future in this league because you know a lot of criticism of nick in his opening press conference when he got here originally but by the end of last year he's probably the best rookie head coach at least in the rookie class did you see that with him at all in indianapolis primarily with nick because he's the one we got to talk to each week and he was just, he was really good to work with and and he always came across of, of, as having his head screwed on straight he, he was really he was kind of good to go back and forth with there was a personality there I, I was probably a little surprised he got a head coaching job that quickly just because he I mean he didn't he didn't call plays here yeah that, that was yeah. Frank's deal but I <clears throat> and again <clears throat> excuse me I watched that first opening press conference and I thought boy they're going to really skewer this guy. And, and, he <laughs> yeah. and here he is. He gets the team in the playoffs with, 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 with what amounted to, to a new quarterback. So it was real. I, I was pleased for him. And I think the world of him, and I just think he's got the bright future again. And if he can build on what he did last year, you know, major kudos to him. I've got another quarterback question <clears throat> for you. Jacob Beeson was a guy I really liked at Washington. Was that Georgia decided to transfer out? But then again, uh, Fields was at Georgia and decided to transfer out. It doesn't mean you can't move on from Georgia and have a nice NFL perspective career. Um, He was the backup to start last year. They drafted Ellinger, which meant they had questions and reservations even before the season started. They end up trading him in season to Seattle. I like the guy. I thought he had a chance to be a starting NFL quarterback, not a franchise quarterback, but a guy who would earn himself a starting job in the league. Now he's buried on Seattle's bench, and I don't think he's taking over if they trade uh, Russell Wilson. You got a chance to see the kid preseason practices, hear what you hear. Why didn't Jacob uh, Eason improve in his couple years in the NFL? It's funny. You had Ellinger and you had Eason, and, and Ellinger has it as a quarterback, whatever it is, 
you know, some guys have and some guys don't. They just, they just command leadership and, and, you know, players really gravitate towards him. And Ellinger doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have near the physical tools as Eason. Eason had all the tools and he was lacking it. He just, really? he just didn't. Okay. He just didn't and, and again, it's so hard to quantify what that, what it is. But if you put him out there and just say, you know, go through a, a passing workout, let's see what you got. He'd wow you. He'd just, yep. he'd, man, that guy. And he looks the part. Big, strong arm, uh, which Ellinger doesn't have. All, he's not the size. But we'd watch him in training camp, and, boy, sometimes he'd make that throw, and you'd say, but he's got it. He's got it. He, he, he's got what you need. And then when, when things kept going on, what, whether he just didn't process things quickly or, or whatever, uh, and I don't go on the one brief time he had when he played against the Rams at the end when uh, Wentz got hurt. That, that was unfair. It was, it was a bad situation. But from what we saw in training camp, it just didn't work, and they stuck with it as long as they could. And then he finally got rid of him. And he, he, like you said, he's in Seattle. And, and if Russell Wilson goes somewhere, I, I don't know that Jacob Eason is the answer. Mm. So it, it's, and again, I think he was a fourth round pick. So it's not like they had a, a ton of, 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 you know, capital invested in him. But, but if a fourth round pick can show you anything, you're going to keep him. And they didn't. And they, again, they, they stuck with, with Brett Hundley, who they, who they got off the, off his couch during training camp when all these injuries hit. And Sam Ellinger and, and Carson Wentz, and that was their quarterback room. Well, it's a tough, I you know, it's a tough situation to be in. So I want you to put on your Chris Ballard hat, Mike, because this team, the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, arguably the offensive player of the year in this league. Maybe if there wasn't Cooper Cup, Quentin Nelson is. I, I don't know. He's the only guy I watch offensive line highlights for. Uh, he's so good. Um, Darius Leonard, you mentioned, is one of the best two or three linebackers in this league. There's a lot of pieces in place for the Indianapolis Colts. Is that does that create a sense of urgency to to go out of the box? And maybe did that create the whole problem with Carson Wentz? Because there are so many good players on that team, you feel a need to sort of go for it. Yeah, going back to last year, I still think Carson Wentz was the best option. Uh, when they, they weren't going to go after Matthew Stafford, it just wasn't going to – they weren't going to give up that much. But but here we are. You're right. They had seven Pro Bowlers, and you can make of that what you want, what, what we, how we value the Pro Bowl, but that was, I think, the most in the league. They had a handful of all pros. You mentioned DeForest Buckner, who's a quality uh, defensive tackle. Yes, there is an urgency because every year you don't – you know – maximize your young talent they get older and you don't want to be a jacksonville where you see some good players come through there and you never get the quarterback situation solved you know th this has been an issue since andrew luck retired in 19 and it's been very difficult and not difficult they've not been able to move on from it yet so yes there is urgency but again it's the imperfect storm of, of them desperately needing stability and this offseason simply doesn't provide Maybe they know something we don't, but but I just don't see where the good option is that they're going to go to, and I'm convinced they're going to go to somebody. And it speaks volumes when when the owner and, and part of the, the the brain trust is basically saying we want anybody but Carson Wentz to be our quarterback because right now you don't know who, who that's going to be. 
Mike, uh, we know that the Colts don't have their first-round draft pick this year. Well, that's right, here in Philadelphia. Um, but they will be drafting ahead of the Eagles in all the uh, following rounds because the Colts finished just outside the playoffs and the Eagles finished just inside the playoffs as both teams were 9-8. and eight. Uh, What are their biggest needs in the draft? Where do you think they're targeting position-wise? Are they going to be the kind of team that's going to stick it to the Eagles? Ooh, Eagles going to take a safety here. Oh, the the – Two picks before the Eagles. The Colts take a safety off the board. What kind of needs do the Colts have going into this year's draft? I hadn't thought about that. That'd be a nice storyline, wouldn't it? it would, we'll get that uh, deep throat from Philly and just kind of screw him with, with what they pick. <laughs> what, what, what's kind of crazy is this is a good roster. It, it, it's it's almost like playoff ready. They demolished Buffalo last year. I mean, they had quality wins, beat New England. But the problem is that their issues are with the prime positions, quarterback, left tackle. They need they need help at edge pass rusher. I mean, they drafted the top two guys last year were edge, but you don't know really. So you need a tight end. You know, maybe Zach Ertz finally finds his way back to Frank Reich. I don't know. But again, they, they need a receiver. They, they need a, a top receiver. So they've got – as good as this roster is, and it is good, this just isn't team speak. The, the prime positions when you're building a team, those are the ones that are at issue right now. Again, quarterback, edge pass rusher, left tackle. They need a, a, a top cornerback probably and a tight end and a receiver. So a lot of work to do and not having a first-round pick and having to probably invest more capital into a quarterback will limit somewhat what they can do. Now, they're going to have good good cap space. They've got like $35 million, I think it is. And getting rid of Wentz will create another 13 or $14 million, I believe it is. So they, they've, got, they've got avenues to do that. And I tell you, they've got an owner. I tell you, if they could make a trade work for Aaron Rodgers, Jim Mercy would pay $50 million a year and not bat an eye. <laughs> but it's getting him to where you can do that. So it's not a reluctance from the owner to pay. It's going to be how do you get that guy so the owner can pay him. All right, Mike, last one from me, and I always like to say this. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, and follow Mike on, on at fox59.com in Indianapolis, Mike is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee. Uh, we've had uh, a number of voters on the show. We had Ira Kaufman mm-hmm. yesterday, Mike. Uh, we get Damo on all the time. Uh, D Orlando Ledbetter, a lot of guys we've we've had the uh, enjoyment to talk to about that process, and I love it. Uh, so I want to ask you about this year's class, and um, if you had any any thoughts on any anybody surprised that you got over the hump, anybody disappointed uh, that you wanted to get over the hump and didn't get over the hump. Well, I think the last one first. I, I had hoped to get Reggie Wayne over the hump. Uh, former Colt, 10th uh, and all-time in receiving in yards. And I've presented him now for the last three years, so I must be doing a crappy job presenting him. <laughs> so, but but it's, it's a tough room because, again, they, these 15 guys are all – it's funny, whenever there's discussion, everybody says, hey, I, I, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. He, he's a Hall of Famer. Well, you, you only get five. Right. That's the problem. I was a little surprised that Tony Baselli finally got in, and I, I – I, I've always thought that, that like, if you're a first ballot guy, you almost need to just stand up and, and then say his name and sit down. He, he needs to be that that firm. Yeah. 
So I, I was a little bit surprised like DeMarcus Ware didn't get in. He's not that that level of a guy, but I thought he might get in first time. Uh, Baselli finally got in. Sam Mills got in, linebacker. And a lot of the push was this was his last year. And yeah, Ira said that yesterday. If yeah. he doesn't get in, he goes in the senior pool, and that's that's the black hole for, for, for talent. So that, that did – and I don't mean to diminish – Sam Mills uh, uh, selection at all, but but I think that played a major role in it. Uh, I, again, I I had really hoped this was the year for Reggie. Uh, I'll keep banging that drum because all of a sudden now we've got it. We're getting a list a, a line of receivers with with Reggie and and Tory Holt and uh, Andre Johnson. So and and coming up, we're going to have a lot of more tough decisions with, with these guys. You know, in, in five years, we're going to have what Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger and. Yeah. Maybe Adrian Peterson, perhaps. So it, it's it's really enjoyable to do, but everybody comes out of that room. There's 49 of us. Everybody comes out a little bit PO'd because you bring your own biases and your own opinions in, and you don't agree. You, you just that, that's why it takes like an 80 percent to to get you in. We're going to have discussions, and, and I'm sure Damo and, and Ira would say the same thing. It's you, you just at the end of the day, you have to trust the process and. That was that would not have been my final five, but that that's what we came up with, and that, that's why the process works. Is, is that's that's the group that we agreed on. All right, let me uh, wrap up on this note, tying tying a couple things together: Hall of Fame and draft. Something we talked about, uh, both things we've talked about so far. Two years from now, will there be a big push to land Marvin Harrison Jr. In Indianapolis, <laughs> to follow in the footsteps of his old man, the Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison Sr. I think the the the, the perfect. Uh, I tell you, I congratulated Marvin Sr. on his son, and he gave me a thumbs up. So it's good to see Marvin still around and kicking. I, I think the long the long range plan is to get Marvin Jr. and then a year, a few years later, to get Arch Manning. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're just going to start up all over again because apparently Arch Manning is, is the best yeah. man of all of them. So that'd be a great way to to kind of complete the circle here in Indy. Manning to Harrison, that would uh, yeah, it, it'd take a lot of work off the play by play guy's uh, plate. Uh, you got that already laid out. Later. Great stuff. We appreciate you coming on board. Thank you much uh, again. Uh, we'll uh, keep an eye on Carson Wentz. He's going to keep you busy, kept us busy here for years. We appreciate you hopping on board with us. Thank you. You guys be well. Thanks, Our Mike. pleasure. Mike Chappell uh, does his work these days at Fox 59. Uh, Colts beat guy forever in Indianapolis, uh, Indianapolis star. Previous to this, uh, gave us some good insight, and we thank him for hopping aboard. All right, Jody Mack, Johnny Mack, Mack and Mack guys, still got 10 minutes to play. We're coming back next. Here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. John McClellan and Jody McDonald make up the Mac and Mac Birds 365 duo here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Hey, before you go away for the weekend, and you shouldn't go away because you got the middle coming up next and the National Football Show should be here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel all day. Yeah, but do right by your guys here on Birds 365. Hit the like button, subscribe, share for us uh, to keep our uh, algorithm up to date and it, on the improve. All right, J-Mac, couple minutes left here. Um, no, you're a bigger pro football focused guy than I, you paid to get their upgraded grades, correct? So they charge you um, or you got a buddy who's close enough who gets you the comp numbers. I, I, uh, I don't, I don't pay, but I have, you know, someone pays. Not me. Okay. <laughs> what, one, one of your employers are, yeah. are covering your backside. Good for you. Um, you know, my thoughts on them. Certain times I read their grade, I get their grade. And I go, damn, they got this thing dead on. They they see it the same. And other times I look at some of their grades and go, what the frig game are they? Are they nuts? So I I, I have these mixed emotions about pro football focus. Um, they've got the list out of their top 50 free agents and projections and predictions as to where they're going to sign. A great number of them that got staying with their teams, which – Believe it or not, folks, that does happen on a year-in, year-out basis. Guys make it to free agency yet still resign. Not everybody who gets all the way to free agency is guaranteed to go elsewhere. A lot of them still end up, and a bunch of them will stay there purely because they've got the franchise tag to slap on the top guys. So if you're looking at just the top 50, a lot of them stay with that. The, the further you go down the list, top 100, top 150, oh, yeah, that everybody changing teams. At the bottom of the list, because uh, there's a reason why they're leaving that team. They think they can 
uh, be more appreciated and get a better contract elsewhere. So they listed the top 50. They had two players changing teams and joining the Philadelphia Eagles. I want to get your level of excitement on both of these two guys. Um, one is Justin Houston, a somewhat re- mm. well-traveled mm. edge rusher, been with a couple of different teams, Kansas City, the Colts, the Ravens, so the Eagles would be his fourth team. Um, it's still a guy who can get to the quarterback a little bit. I think they ranked him 38th out of the top 50. Does the addition of Justin Houston get you all excited on McMullen? Um, doesn't seem like an Eagles-like signing to me at all. Um, now, I'm guessing, I haven't seen this, Jody, I'm guessing they're giving him to the Eagles on a one-year deal. Uh, I don't know I that. I think it was two. Um, but it, it, wasn't, one it, of those, it wasn't an outrageous number. Yeah, but was one of those second-level late signings for one year at a veteran minimum, um, then I could see them getting into the – he's got to be 33, 30, somewhere in that range. Um, So I don't think it would be a priority signing. One one year, $7 million. Um, Yeah, so if that were late in the process – very much like Steve Nelson this year uh, at cornerback, then I could see it. Um, But certainly I wouldn't look at that as any kind of priority signing. And, and that also will take into effect. That would be later, you know, who do they get as an edge rusher in the draft that would affect it as well. So I wouldn't be excited by that at this point. But, you know, later in the process, I might be really excited by it, if that makes sense. Uh, it does a little bit, but uh, I'm not a Justin Houston fan. I don't think he's got much left in the tank. That's why it doesn't excite me. They uh, Last year, you'll remember, I was major thumbs up with the Ryan Kerrigan signing. I thought they got him for cheap. I thought he had something left in the tank. Yeah, woefully wrong about that one. Yeah, well, it'll be the same type of signing for me, you know. And I thought Ryan Kerrigan was a good signing, too, uh, when you add all that into it. You know, one-year deal, veteran minimum. uh, It's not going to cost you much. But, yeah, it didn't work out. Yeah, that that one did not play. So, shame on them for that. And the other guy they had signing, I would need your take on this before we wrap this up. DJ Reed at corner who they ranked as the 48th best free agent during this offseason. Believe it or not, they ranked Steven Nelson at 45. So they had two cornerbacks very close to each other at the bottom of the top 50. Nelson at 45, DJ Reed at 48. They projected Nelson to get a two-year, $14 million deal, but they projected the Eagles to give Reed a three-year, $24 million deal. I'm not great at math, but two in the 14 is seven per three in the 24 is eight per. So they're giving a million more per year and an extra year to get DJ Reed, who they rank behind Steven Nelson. Mm. This is one of those things where pro football focus makes me go, what the hell? Please explain John McMullen. Um, age, um, would be number one. Um, DJ Reed, coming off his rookie deal. So he's probably 24, 25. Um, I know he's his own corner. So that makes sense with Jonathan Gannon. So they're trying to 
you know, give bits for potential what you want to do. But yeah, I wouldn't be excited by that one either. I, he's pretty small too, uh, PJ Reed. And they're looking for an outside corner of the Eagles. So I don't know, uh, you know, having a Devontae Maddox size corner on the outside that, that is something they've been is they've been through. But that's age, you know. Twenty five year old, twenty four, twenty five. They're going to get more. They're going to get an extra year, and that's that's sort of how that works with the NFL. Bring back Stephen Nelson. If those are your two choices, get a uh, corner in the first round. That's your right. Choice. And it, this is all projection without knowing how the draft's going to go. But you do have to make, or at least technically, you have to make your free agent decisions first. You can wait, but then a lot of the best are already gone. Um, not knowing whether they're going to draft a corner or how high they're going to draft a corner, I would prefer to bring back Stephen Nelson and DJ Reed, but that's just me. All right, brother, we'll talk more free agent, more draft stuff. We've got, let's see, we're on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You do all five days next week? All five days. Combine uh, starts next week, too. John McMullen and Jody McDonald will both be here all five days next week. A lot of draft talk with the combine underway. Be back here next week on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.